Hey, we are live. Quantum Christianity, David and Joanna Harabidi, and also Virtual Church Media. That was my wife's fingers. Wave again, Joanna. There we go. She's behind the camera. Anyway, tonight we're going to have a really great time. We have a live audience. Everybody say hello. That's right. Well, we have fun. So you are not watching alone. You're watching with a group and a crowd and where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus. He is in the midst. Holy Spirit, come fill us with wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we might receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save, transform, empower, mature our souls that we might come into the fullness of the blessing of Christ that we might be carriers of your glory that we might be Jesus with skin on, carrying your presence, your love, and your power into the earth to a hurting generation that needs you, and our hand extended unto somebody else with your touch changes everything in an instant. Those in agreement said, Amen. Amen. So tonight we're talking about the four prophetic gifts. For prophetic, the word prophetic really is revelation. It's hearing from God and speaking to men. So prophecy is hearing the voice of God or the thoughts of God and communicating those thoughts or those words to someone along with the Father's heart. And his heart is a heart of love. So the gifts of the Spirit, specifically the prophetic gifts, really must be ministered in a spirit of love, or they are like a clanging cymbal and a resounding brass. So everything must be motivated by love. The gifts of the Spirit are different than the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the love, the joy, the peace, the meekness, the temperance, the patience, the self-control. Those are the Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, fruit of the Spirit. There's nine fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. There's nine gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, wonder-working miracles, the gifts of healing, and the supernatural gift of faith. So you have nine gifts of the Spirit, and you have nine fruit of the Spirit. And what's interesting in the Old Testament, the priest, the high priest, would go into the Holy of Holies once a year. He would go through the outer courts where there was the altar of sacrifice and the water labor. So they would kill the animal, sacrifice him, and then they would take and they would wash their hands from the blood and the water labor. And then they would go into the inner courts. And the inner courts would have the table of showbread, there'd be 12 loaves. On the other side, there would be a candelabra, and it'd be seven sticks, and it would be lit. It was a sevenfold spirit of God. And then you would have the altar of incense. So you came, you come in, you repent, and are baptized. You see the outer courts? You've got the sacrifice of repentance, the blood. Then you've got be baptized, every one of you, for the remission or forgiveness of sins. And then you come in and you begin to eat of the table of showbread, which is symbolic of the word of God. And the only way you can fully understand the word of God, and you're not blind to it, is when the Holy Spirit lights the path. And once you get a revelation from the bread, the word of God, from the candle, the spirit of God, you'll kneel down at the altar of incense, which is symbolic of praising him for the revelation that you just got. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and understand the word. And then we begin to praise him. And then we get invited into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is at, where deep calleth unto deep at the noise of his water spouts, all the waves and billows of his presence go over us. So the outer courts is thanksgiving. We give thanks for what we see. The inner courts is praise. We give thanks for the revelation that he just gave us from the word and the spirit. And the holy of holies 
is worship. And we begin to worship him because those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The outer courts is 30-fold harvest. The inner courts is 60-fold. The holy of holies is the 100-fold harvest. How many want to live in a 100-fold harvest with God? So this is one of the ways that we can help accelerate getting there because there's no reason for us to live in outer courts Christianity all of our life. We're invited in to the Holy of Holies with him. And so ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Ask, we give him thanks. Seek, revelation from the word and the spirit, we give him praise. And then we knock, and he lets us in. Outer courts is Egypt, past tense. We were brought out of Egypt. Inner courts is present tense in the wilderness where God gets the wild and us out and holy of holies is Canaan land, the future, the promise. So we get to live in the past, the present, or the future. It's our choice on how we roll with God. And he'll let us do any one of the three because we're saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man could boast. But if you want the greater works, it'll cost you. And he, don't, he wanted the greater work. He saved the world. It cost him. Are you willing to pay the price? Pretty cool. Okay, here we go. Four prophetic gifts. Oh, one final thing. So that the priest, the high priest, would go into the most holy place once a year. Jesus, when he died on the cross, the temple curtain in the most holy place was rent and twain. It was torn from top to bottom as a great earthquake. And it allowed everybody into the Holy of Holies now. He made a way, not by the blood of bulls or goats or lambs, but by the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus himself made that way. So you can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. Pretty amazing the opportunity every one of us has. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in. I'll have a table of peace. So he's knocked on our door, we let him in, and now we get to knock on his door to go deeper in him where we live and move and have our very being. So once a year, the priest, the high priest only, would go in behind the curtain. The curtain was four inches thick. And so when he went behind the curtain, they would dress him a certain way in the linen ephod, and they would put at the base of his priestly garment bells and these wooden pomegranates. And so what would happen is, there would be bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, all the way around. And have you ever seen a bell hit like a wooden item and it chimes, ching, chime, chime, ching, whatever that sound is that comes out, it's, it's a nice, pretty sound. Have you ever heard two pieces of wood hit each other? Thud, clunk, clunk, thud, clunk. Have you ever heard two bells hit each other? Clank. Clank. Clank like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Clank, clank. So you have to have the fruit of the pomegranate in between the bells of the gifts. Faith worketh by love. And love is the greatest of these fruit. So if you only have gifts, clang, 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 I speak in tongues, I interpret tongues, you know, glory be to me, myself and I, the unholy trinity, you know, whatever. Okay? And if you only have the fruit of the Spirit, I just want to love everybody, you know, I just go. But you don't have any power to get them delivered, right? You're just like mushy. So we want to love people where they're at, but we don't want to leave them where they're at. We want to pull them out of that stuck place. And this is why we study the gifts of the Spirit. We learn to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And then we operate in the gifts that worketh by love. So if somebody says, I just need more faith. Faith worketh by love. Ask the Lord for more love. Faith is easy. Because when you're in love with Him, it will motivate you to go do things for other people. Right? Easy. Okay, so the four prophetic gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and the gift of prophecy. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, Brethren, concerning spiritual gifts, 
I do not want you to be ignorant. So if the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who met Jesus on the road to Damascus on his high horse, was knocked off in response to Stephen's prayer, and he was changed from Saul to Paul, he had a life encounter change, out killing Christians to being willing to die for his name's sake. That's a pretty strong about face. That's a supernatural recalculating, recalculating. He got his GPS. So the word recalculating really is repent, repent, turn around, go the other direction. So the apostle Paul realized the importance of the gifts of the spirit. And that's why he taught on the gifts. First Corinthians 12 is the gifts. First Corinthians 13 is love. First Corinthians 14 is how to operate in the gifts. So if you've got gifts to be able to operate in them properly, we must have the love of God. Amen? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So 1 Corinthians 12 says, now brethren concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. The devil's ability to keep us defeated is commensurate or equal to his ability to keep us ignorant. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. knowledge. If you reject knowledge, you reject you. So this is why we do these studies. So that's a long prelude to get into the four prophetic gifts. So the first gift we're going to talk about is word of knowledge. The second gift is the word of wisdom. The third gift is discerning or distinguishing of different kinds of spirit. And the fourth gift is the gift of prophecy. And they're called the four prophetic gifts, or at least that's what I call them because these are the primary ways in which God gives revelation so that we can prophesy. Notice I said prophesy, not prophesy. <laughs> Sometimes you hear people come up and give a prophetic word and you're like, wow, doesn't sound like God. <laughs> and, so, um, and sometimes people will tell you such fantastical words that it's what your itching ears might want to hear. So before somebody prophesies, say, Lord, deliver me from idols so that I don't hear what I want to hear. I hear what you're speaking to the church that I might grow into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So you want to be one who prophesies in love for edification, exhortation, and comfort, not one who prophesies for flattery, manipulation, or Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft, which is somewhat rampant in the church at times. Okay. So number one, word of knowledge, definition, a specific fact about a person, a place, or an event that was not obtained through natural means. So when somebody says, I got a word of knowledge about you, and they just got off their phone searching Facebook, that's a word of Zuckerberg, right? Okay, so um, that is not a real word from the Lord. When they look at you and they see that you're wearing a cross and they say, oh, I, I see that you're a Christian. That's not a word of knowledge, it's a word of jewelry. See the difference? So when I look at somebody, I'm always checking to see if the Holy Spirit speaking or just my life experience would know something about them. Because I don't really want to know just about life experience because that's not going to help them. What's going to help them is something that nobody knows about their experience but God. And God wants to heal them from that place or to recognize gifting within them. The other day I was talking with somebody who had uh, reached out to me and wanted uh, my wife to contact and, and to pray over somebody because of a title or an office that she holds. And there were some younger girls and they were believers and they were growing up in that, that world, that pageantry world. And so he said, you know, and he's connected us with so many people, just so many people. And I said to him, I said, you know, you really are a CCO, a chief connecting officer. <laughs> And you do it both in the secular and in the sacred arenas. And he said this to me, he goes, yeah, I really am. See, it was an encouragement to him because I recognized the gift that was in him, but also encouraged him that he was okay to operate in it in the secular world because God anoints people in the secular world. And he was okay to operate in the sacred world because God anoints people in the sacred world. Sometimes we just get too fuddy-duddy religious. You know, we separate, you know, this from this, well, I was at my job, so these were different sets of rules. I was at church, I can't do it. Yeah, me, I just kind of do it wherever I want, you know, because I'm the same person in the pulpit and out of the pulpit, really. You know, sometimes people are like, well, that was kind of, I'm like, well, you did it out of the pulpit. I just did it in the pulpit. Now you're offended, but I caught you at the football game. You were doing it. <laughs> I was too exuberant. 
well, you did it at the football game and paid 150 a ticket, but you didn't put 150 in the tithe plate. <laughs> you love the secular more than you love God. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. But okay, <laughs> my point is, we're on the gifts of the Spirit. If that was for somebody out there, sow a seed. Anyway, maybe your team will win. Not making a claim. Okay. Okay, so word of knowledge is a definition, a specific fact about a person, place, or event that was not obtained through natural means. It could be someone's name their occupation, their birthplace, birth date, details about their history or other information about them. It generally contains no directional guidance, just facts or information, hence its name, a word of knowledge. Sometimes when you get a word of knowledge and you try to go beyond that word of knowledge, a specific fact, what happens is you end up getting into error or cold reading or trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It's okay to say, I really sense that, you know, this occurred. Were you born in May? Yeah, how'd you know that? Was it May 14th? Yeah, how'd you know that? I don't know. And all of a sudden the Lord will give you another word because that's just caught their attention that you know their birthday. And again, you didn't get it off social media. You got it from the Lord. Now all of a sudden the Lord will give you a little bit more down that road. Now all of a sudden you'll get somebody's name. Is there somebody named Janice? And they'll look at you. My sister's named Janice. Then you'll get like a pain in your cheek. You'd be like, do they have a problem in their jaw? Oh my gosh, they've got terrible tooth pain right now. Well, God doesn't reveal what he doesn't, is not willing to heal. Let's pray for Janice right now. And then all of a sudden, boom, and then boom, you call and Janice is healed. You talk about dramatic. Yeah. You talk about causing the miraculous to be released. That's the power of a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge, Jesus had a uh, woman at the well in Samaria Woman shows up, he says, oh, woman, can you give me something to drink? She's looking at him, he's like, man, this guy's a rabbi. They don't talk to women, let alone allow them to serve them something to drink. And there's a whole 613 Levitical laws on why they don't do that. And here this guy is violating the law. Well, he's the fulfillment, so he can. He fulfills the law because he supersedes. And so what happens is she starts talking to him, you know, Give me something to drink. She says, oh, you know, she starts this dialogue and this religious discord. She says, well, we know that Messiah comes, you know, and he'll teach us, you know, and those that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And he says, where's your husband? She says, oh, I have no husband. He gets a word of knowledge. You've rightly said you have no husband. The man you're with is not your husband. <laughs> Notice he didn't do that publicly in front of 2,000 people in a congregation over a microphone. See, there's certain things you can do privately with prophecy that you shouldn't do publicly with prophecy. So if you get a prophetic word with somebody and it's a private matter, put the microphone down and gently whisper in their ear in love because God doesn't reveal what that would not, except he wants to heal. So what he reveals, he wants to heal on an issue. Never shame, never guilt, never condemnation. That's a different spirit you're connected to that one repent and get born again okay so it generally contains a word of knowledge generally contains no directional guidance just facts or information hence its name a word of knowledge so knowledge is easily obtained like water it's everywhere it's ubiquitous you can get knowledge off the internet some good some not so good okay understanding is like containers to gather the water and wisdom is knowing where and how much to pour is that helpful? Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Water, ubiquitous, easily accessible. Containers to gather the water is like understanding. And wisdom is knowing where and how much to pour. How many people have overwatered a plant and killed it before? How many people have underwatered a plant and it died? How many people have properly watered a plant and it flourished? So there's wisdom is knowing where and how much to pour. You can have all the knowledge and all the understanding, but if you don't have wisdom from the Lord, you can do more damage than good. You can end up being a spiritual know-it-all who knows everything but Jesus. The Pharisees knew it all, and they crucified Jesus. Oopsie, that's kind of a mistake. Okay, example from Scripture on a word of knowledge. The woman at the well, John 4, 16 through 18, Jesus received a word of knowledge, a specific fact about a person that the woman at the well had five husbands, verse 18, 1 John 4, 18. The fruit of his word was that the woman believed Jesus was a prophet, and this opened the door for Jesus to minister to her further. Often a word of knowledge will be a door opener 
that will get you into the room or get you on the pathway to bring them along to the living water. And so you may never know what the word of knowledge is going to lead to. And you often don't have a clue as to what it means. But when you say it, they'll know what it means. I was at church on Sunday and I was talking to uh, one of the evangelists there had just come back from Ibadan. And as we're talking about something completely unrelated, church is getting ready to start and people are coming in. And he literally grabs his jaw like this. And I'm like, you okay? You got pain in your jaw? He goes, yeah. I go, you want me to pray for you? He goes, no, it's not my pain. And I said, he goes, you have, a, you have a problem in your jaw or your tooth? I'm like, it's not me. Well, I can feel the heat right now. Somebody's getting healed right now. My gosh. Whoo. God's healing somebody's jaw right now and dental problems right now in Jesus' name. Just receive that. Just receive it. Anyway, so here's what happened. He looked at me and I said, well, let's just go ahead and pray. You're obviously getting a word of knowledge about somebody that God wants to heal in their jaw and a dental issue. I'm telling you, somebody just got healed. And write in and, and tell us about what the Lord did for you. I still feel the heat, my goodness. We, we pause for miracles here. Mess up the whole CD series for a miracle. I'm good with that. Anyway, God's healing dental miracles right now. Dental miracles. Just grab it from the Lord. If you need a dental miracle, just reach out and grab that. Just accept it. Take it for you. Take it for a friend. Because what God reveals, he wants to heal. Amen. So I said, okay, well, let's just go ahead and pray. So we prayed and, you know, we felt something break in the realm of the spirit. And these three people were walking by. He said, excuse me. He says, can I ask a question? Does one of the three of you have a pain in your jaw or a dental area? And one of the women says, oh, my God, that's not me. It's my son. He's been vaping for two years and he's done damage and he's afraid to go to the dentist. And he says, well, can we pray for him over the phone? She says, He's here. He came to church. He's waiting for us to arrive. We all go over there to pray for the person, for God to touch him, because what he reveals, he wants to heal. So when somebody says, oh, I've got a word that, you know, you've got this sickness. Oh, I'm like, what he reveals, he wants to heal. It's not a word of fear. It's a word of faith. It's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge that brings faith to bring you into the presence of God. Anyway, so that's an example of God operating word of knowledge through one of the five prophetic senses. One of the five prophetic, prophetic senses is the gift of touch. One is the gift of smell. One is the gift of spiritual sight. You can see things in the realm of the spirit. The other one is uh, spiritual taste. Sometimes I'll get around somebody, I'll taste sickness in my body. I'm thinking, am I getting sick? I'm like, oh, no, somebody else is sick and I'm tasting that sickness and I'll look around and I'll wait to find out who it is. And the Lord will then, by spiritual sight, give me a word of knowledge or discerning of spirits about who it is. I'll see them highlighted or I'll see a spirit of depression or spirit of sickness on them. And then we go over and we minister to them and it glorifies the Lord and they get encouraged in the Lord. So that's one of the ways the gifts of the spirit operate, the prophetic gifts. So you can be on the street. My wife and I just love to operate in what we refer to as prophetic evangelism will be at dinner and uh, the server will come by and we'll be you know done with ministry or we'll be taking a day off or a date night and you know you could be on date night and Jesus isn't <laughs> you know he's on he's on evangelism night but you're on date night and he'll invade your date but trust me I'd rather have my date invaded by Jesus than have a date without him Amen? Keep Jesus in the middle. And uh, so what happens is uh, my wife and I, we were just finished a, a ministry time and we were at an Italian restaurant. And this guy comes by and he's serving us and, and uh, I just felt led to tell him my testimony. And I said, yeah, I used to be a drug trafficker when I was your age. And he looked at me and I said, yeah, I said I used to have, and I had a vision of triple beam scales in his closet. I had a vision of cocaine trafficking. I had a vision of the cut, the level of drug dealer that he was. I had details just instantly in a vision, I saw it. And so I didn't tell him, you've got triple beams in your closet, you're a drug dealer, you're a server at this Italian restaurant, 
but you make the extra income doing this. I told him my story and he just stared at me because my story was the story he was living. Then I told him I ended up getting sentenced to 22 years that I didn't stay small. It grew. The next thing you know, I'm stealing jets for the Colombian cartel and selling multi-kilogram quantities of cocaine. And then I end up with, you know, stolen jet, a Mercedes-Benz, a bag of cash, and the feds came out of plane strings, automobiles, messed up my orange juice morning in Florida, didn't pass go, didn't collect $200, went to jail for the next 19 years, six months, a week, and a day, including good time. Anyway, so when you wake up in Leavenworth Penitentiary, you're always just one heartbeat away from hell. So I was able to tell him where that path leads to. But if I'd have told him, you have triple beams in your closet, you're a drug dealer, and if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell or you're going to go to prison. See, that's not the way, it wouldn't be in love, it would have been in judgment. Instead, we can either be a great role model or a horrible warning, and that day I had the privilege of being both. The horrible warning, and of course a good role model on what not to do. So we could write the book on how to do it wrong, but thank God we've got the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, on how to do it right, right? So what happened was, he left the table, because he doesn't know if I'm a fed or if I'm a narc, I'm wanting to go, you know, I'm trying to get a reaction, he just doesn't know. And he comes back and my wife said, I feel like I'm supposed to sing over you. A Hebrew blessing. Would that be okay? So she ends up singing over him in Hebrew and English and the atmosphere changes and he begins to cry. See, we thought we were going for Italian food. We were going for Jewish food. The manna from heaven that night was about to be released. And what happened was he left the table after that. He came back. And we invited him to receive Jesus, and he did. And he got born again, and I believe the Lord might have baptized him right there in the Holy Spirit right there. And, and, uh, and then I said to him, I said, you know, I said that you've been born again now. I would encourage you to take this opportunity to cut ties with the old lifestyle. And he looked at me, and he said, you know, I don't know why I'm telling you this. But I've got triple beams in my closet. I've got inositol cut. I've got baggies. I've got all this stuff. And he goes, I'm going home and I'm going to throw it all away. I'm going to flush everything. I'm starting new. And he says, I'm going to go back to college. So that's what a word of knowledge will do. Instead of being in prison ministry where you go minister to prisoners, which is wonderful. We're doing hundreds and hundreds of Christmas cards right now through Heart of America Prison Ministry and sending them into the prisons. We're getting ready to do bonded leather-bound Bibles into the prisons. Probably in the next couple of weeks, we've got, I just got in 100 new Bibles thanks to the donations of people online. We got a really great price on these bonded leather Bibles at uh, Christmas time. And so through the donations of others, Christmas cards are going into the prisoners' hands at mail call. They're going to hear their name and their prison number announced at mail call. And some prisoners who haven't received a letter in two, three, four, five, six, seven years are going to get a letter at mail call. And they're going to cherish that letter and they're going to open it up and it's a Christmas card from somebody they've never met. And it's going to say, James, I'm writing you to let you know that you're not forgotten. Merry Christmas. Gina or Bill. And they're going to look at that card and they're going to know they're remembered by God. Instead of a wonderful cliche, which is true about Christmas. John, Jesus is the reason for the season. Hope you have a prosperous new year. The dude's making 12 cents an hour, okay? He's got a kind of a little bit of a glass ceiling over him on income right now, right? He doesn't really need to hear that. He needs to hear, or she needs to hear, she's not forgotten. They're thinking about taking their lives. Anyway, so that's what we do through Heart of America Prison Ministries. We also provide discipleship materials in about 1,500 facilities. And last year, I think we did 45,000 or 60,000 books of gems. What was it? Gemma, is it? I wrote that book. Uh, it's called Nuggets of Gold. And then 15,000 copies of Jet Rydell Journey to Freedom we did um, a few years ago. So they're throughout the prisons, and so we get... Wonderful letters every week from prisoners. And now we're sending in Christmas cards to those prisoners. And we're getting ready to do bonded leather-bound Bibles to those on our Bible waiting list. So, example from Scripture is the woman at the well, word of knowledge. You see how powerful a word of knowledge is? This is what we refer to as prophetic evangelism. I want to really anchor something here. The woman at the well 
was a Samaritan. A Samaritan is half Jew, half Gentile. They're half-breeds. They're rejected by the Jews because they're intermarried with the Gentile. And they're rejected by the Gentiles because they're half-Jew. So they have to live in a certain area called Samaria. Can you imagine everywhere you went, you were rejected by everybody? Because you're half-Jew and half-Gentile, you don't know what you are. But praise God, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor male nor female. In Christ, he makes everybody one new man. So here's what happens. This woman who doesn't fit in in Jerusalem, doesn't fit in down the street in the Gentile city, she's stuck in Samaria and Jesus says, I must go through Samaria. He went there to meet one woman. He'll leave the 99 and go after one lost sheep. Now, not only was she rejected by Jews and Gentiles, I bet she wasn't too popular amongst the Samaritans. Having gone through five husbands and the man she's with, she probably didn't have a real good reputation in the town. And everybody knows somebody like that. And some of us used to be somebody like that. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Amen or ouch, hallelujah. Or heretic, we're going to preach it anyway. Anyway, what happens is she gets so excited when he says, I'll just read on. The fruit of his word was a woman who believed Jesus was a prophet. And this opened the door for Jesus to minister to her further down the prophetic railroad tracks. Eventually, Jesus revealed himself to her, who was a Samaritan woman, as the Messiah. See John 4, 25 and 26. The word of knowledge, you've had five husbands, resulted in her faith level being increased to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Subsequently, she went and got the whole town and many of those who she went and told believed. And then others that didn't yet believe at least came to Jesus. Then he operated in the gifts with them. Basically, it was a tremendous revival that took place at the water well because of what? A word of knowledge. you see how powerful a word of knowledge can be? How many want that gift operating in their lives, right? Okay, number two, word of wisdom. A definition of a word of wisdom is a divine revelation of the will, plan, or purpose of God for a specific situation. It differs from a word of knowledge in several ways. A word of wisdom differs from a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom is often directional in nature because it contains prophetic insight on what should be done in a given situation or sometimes what shouldn't be done in a given situation. A word of wisdom may not be as dramatic as a word of knowledge, but it may be more needed because it provides divine insight on what we are supposed to do. Example from scripture, Paul is a prisoner on a ship with 276 people during a fierce storm in Acts 27, verses 10 through 30. Before sailing on the ship, God had given Paul an impression or a word of knowledge that the voyage should not take place because there would be difficulty when the ship, and actually this was a word of knowledge and really a word of wisdom, it's directional in nature, don't get on the ship, but Paul had a problem, he was handcuffed. What are you going to do? So what he did was he gave the word of wisdom and he said, when the ship encountered trouble, Paul had an angelic visitation and was promised protection for everyone on board. In verse 22, when the, storm began to when the storm began to threaten everyone's lives, all 276, the sailors tried to launch a lifeboat. Paul told them if they, if they did this, they would not be safe. That he had a word of wisdom that they were to stay in the ship or they would lose their lives. Why would they believe him? He's not a sailor because the same guy that told them that this trip would not be without much harm, even under the lading of the ship. They thought he was crazy, granola bar, flaky, fruity, and nutty. But when they were 14 days with no food or water and they're being tossed in a night storm and they've lost all their geographic stuff and... Siri ain't working for them. They got a problem. They decided to go out a different way. And Paul says, don't do that. You'll die. They went, we're following the prisoner. He knows what he's doing. So sometimes you get a word of wisdom 
and people laugh at you and mock you to scorn. Later, when they're in trouble, they come to you, we're going to do this, don't do that, this will happen. They'll obey you the second time and it'll result in everybody being saved. So don't get upset when people reject your word of knowledge or word of wisdom. Remember, God's laying down prophetic golden railroad tracks for them to walk on. They don't have to walk on those railroad tracks. They don't have to ride on them. They can go a different way. Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith rejected the prophecies about Paul in 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. They suffered shipwreck in their faith. They even turned on Paul. So just because you prophesy in love and you do it accurately, hearing from God and communicating that to mankind, doesn't mean you're always going to be received. But people will respect you, and at the right time, like Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, they'll come back to you, sometimes by text, by call, or by social media messenger. And you'll be ready to give them the word of the Lord because they're ready at that point in time. So when the ship encountered trouble, Paul had an angelic visitation, was promised protection for everyone on board. When the storm began to threaten their lives, the sailors tried to launch a lifeboat. Paul told them that if they did this, they would not be saved. Instead, to survive, he told them, by the word of wisdom, you must stay in this ship to be saved. These men abandoned their logical plan and embraced God's plan and were delivered, all 276 men, just as the angel of the Lord had promised. The final revelation that the men must stay on the ship was a word of wisdom. It was not just simply information about what had happened or what would happen. It was revelation into the plan of God for those sailors it was a revelation about what they were supposed to do. This is the essence of a word of wisdom. It's wise and it's directional in nature. Third prophetic gift, discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits. Definition, the word discern means to distinguish between. The word spirit can mean any of the following in scripture. Angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. You have a spirit in you. You are, have a human spirit. There's also the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit can be recognized. Mantles or the motivating influence of a person. Discerning of spirits then is the ability to recognize and distinguish between different types of spirits and anointings. So sometimes uh, somebody put their hand on me the other day. I was at a restaurant and they put their hand on my shoulder. It was the manager of a restaurant and I knew the person. As they put their hand on my shoulder, I felt the gifts of healing in their left hand. And I looked up, I said, you have the gifts of healing in your left hand. Well, they were a little bit, you know, not fully walking with the Lord, but in their younger days, they really walked with the Lord. And so by recognizing the gifts of healing in his left hand, it called him back into the healing ministry. Now the Lord identified that for him because he may need to use that gift with an employee or his daughter or wife or, you know, you just don't know. But now all of a sudden when he's in that situation, he'll be like, oh, I need to call 911. Wait a second. I got 911 in my hand. Zap, and in Jesus' name, they get healed. And it's like, but two people will repent that day, the one that gets healed and the one that the healing came through. So anyway, that's the beauty. So that's another. I had a word of knowledge through physical touch of what was in him by anointings. And I discerned that spirit, which is a healing spirit by the Holy Spirit. I've also had people touch me, put their hand on me or whatever, and I felt a demonic spirit in them that was false gifting and had to get yourself kind of cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And uh, that's a whole nother message. Okay, so discerning the spirit. So uh, an example from scripture. How many want an example from scripture on discerning the spirits? Distinguishing, okay, here we go. A young girl who seemingly spoke the truth, this... Uh, this woman who had a spirit of divination in her in the book of Acts 16. So she went around following the apostle Paul. And as she's following him and his little entourage, these are the servants of the most high God who do show us the way of salvation. So she's preaching that Paul has the real gospel, but she's doing it by a demon spirit. Well, that's a whole other message, but we're just going to go ahead and run through this real quick. So these men are servants in the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation, Acts 16, 16 through 18. Paul discerned it. He distinguished it. Then he cast the demon out in Jesus' name. Paul's discernment of this spirit is discerning of spirit. Notice it's not 
discerning of demons, but it's discerning of spirits. It could be an angelic spirit, the Holy Spirit, a human spirit, demonic spirit, an anointing, a gift, a mantle, a calling. This young girl had the right message, but Paul discerned she had the wrong spirit. And he took authority over that demon spirit to cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ. It's interesting to note that Paul did not just cast out the demon the first time she said these words. And this she did many days, verse 18. Finally, Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit. Notice he didn't address the woman. He addressed the spirit. Sometimes people cast out demons and do more damage to the person trying to cast a demon out because they don't love the person or they get violent. They shake the person. Listen, casting the demon out, you have full authority over the demon. Unless you have something in common with the demon. And it laughs at you. A friend of mine says, I need you to go cast a spirit of pornography out of somebody. I'm like, well, why don't you just go do it? Well, you know, I don't have a lot of success with that. I get over there, find out we got to cast it out of two people. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. So you only have authority over what you've overcome. Wow. Say law, pause and reflect. Now you have positional authority over everything. You're seated far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in Christ Jesus. But in your estate, in your condition, those demons will laugh at you if you've got the same stronghold. So what you do is say, Lord, I'm going to go cast a demon out of so-and-so. I got the issue. Pray you deliver me. I'm going for both of us. You're crazy. You'll both get delivered that day. Okay, we're kind of off topic here, but probably for somebody. <laughs> and then spirits will come back if you're not careful. They'll come back with seven more wicked than themselves. Well, David, should you, we shouldn't cast him out to start with. Well, sure, live a defeated Christian life. Why don't you give it a try? Cast him out. You repent on the way. I mean, look, I, I was still kind of messed up when God called me. Jesus appeared to me. I mean, I learned on the way. We all learn on the way. You don't go to seven, four years of cemetery, seminary, whatever they call it. You just get baptized in the Holy Ghost and you go for it. And don't get me wrong, I've got a four-year degree. I do. It took me 20 years to get it. But thank God I didn't go to Bible college until after I'd been born again for about 16 years because if you leave Bible college with any faith at all, it's kind of a miracle. They'll try to get, to, they'll try to get the faith out of you. <laughs> anyway, getting a notification from my wife to stay off that subject. Okay. So, the young girl had the right message, but Paul asked the Spirit. Finally, Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the demon came out in the same hour. Now, wait a second. It didn't come out immediately. It came out in the same hour. Sometimes you can declare and command a spirit to come out, and it doesn't come out right away. But if you'll attach the gift of faith to it and then leave and go pray, or you'll just see that thing rattle up and a person will get delivered over a period of time. I remember this one guy. He came to me. He was into Santaria and Palamay Hombre. You know, he had little jalapenos. He was sacrificing at his little altar in prison to his <laughs> gods or whatever. I mean, it seems funny now, but it was real serious for him. And, and so uh, he uh, came to me for prayer for something. And uh, he was real sick, and there was influenza going around or whatever. I guess it was, you know, 1991 COVID or something. But um, went and prayed for him. And when I laid hands on his back, and I cursed the sickness, I saw the demon in him. And I said, I command you to come out. I just spoke it, you know, quietly, but with authority. Come out of him in the name of Jesus. And I, and I said, and I attach the gift of faith. <laughs> that night he had a dream. And in the dream, you know, because this witchcraft stuff, they have all these different symbols and stuff. He said, an angel appeared in the dream and he was on his stomach. And this angel reached in and grabbed this demon out of his back. And he said it ripped him up out of his back. He said it was so painful. He woke up screaming and he was in physical pain. And he woke up delivered and called on Jesus. But remember, he came to get prayed for for healing from influenza, but he got delivered. He ended up getting radically saved and and uh, filled with the Spirit. I remember one day, it's a funny story. 
we're in a cell and he's like, you know, Mexican gang member and was a leader. And uh, oh, I remember he's, he's we're, I'm praying for him. And uh, I said, I, I, the Lord has told me to do something. He's like in the spirit. He goes, just, just go ahead. I trust you. Just do it. And so the Lord told me to hit him open-handed in the chest. Right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Get this gang member leader. I'm in prison in a cell with him. He's got his hands up in the air and I'm going to steal on him, right? So I go pop him in the chest and he's and it's like he didn't even, and the Lord says, hit him hard. I'm like, well, I better be hearing from God here. An assault charge, get knifed, shanked, whatever. What happened? Oh, Dave got me while I had my hands up praying. You know, he snuck on me. So I hit him a second time and the Lord said, hit him harder. And I'm like, oh, I just sure hope I've heard from God. And so the third time I hit him and I heard him cough and his hands went up even higher and he began to praise God and started to cough some more. And I just sat back and I'm like, you know, let's see what's going on here. And, and uh, long story short, he had been a cocaine smoker. His lungs had been damaged from cocaine use. And when I hit him, whatever it was, God knocked that stuff free and it went out of him. So he'd gotten delivered from the demon, but he still hadn't been delivered from all the drug addiction results of abusing his body. So that was the next layer. He ended up getting out. He ended up going to work for like a car dealer. He became the number one car dealer salesman. The next thing you know, here I'm doing 20 years in prison and here comes up the TV ad and here he is at this dealership, the number one salesman. And uh, he went from witchcraft to prayer for healing for flu to getting a demon ripped up out of him by an angel to filled with the Holy Spirit to speaking in tongues to getting hit on the hand on his chest three times by you know, some other white boy and, and uh, Jewish guy, whatever you want to call me. Anyway, in a very racially charged environment, so it was a very interesting thing that God did in that moment through a word of knowledge. See the power of the word of knowledge and see the power of discerning the spirits because it results in salvation. And by the way, he ended up leading a bunch of other gang members to Christ before he left. And others came to Christ when they saw he wasn't back into drug trafficking, he wasn't back into gang violence, he wasn't back in the game. He was making an honest living and prospering. He ended up getting his own dealership. God prospered him. So, um, let's see. Just because the Holy Spirit gives you the ability or gifting to discern a spirit in someone doesn't necessarily mean you're to do anything to deliver the individual who's oppressed at that time. It may mean we are to beware of the individual or warn others or simply do nothing until the appointed time by the Lord to cast it out or we're just to take that information into prayer for God to prepare them Paul's authority to cast the spirit out involved another gift, the gift of exorcism. This gift, however, is not one of the four prophetic gifts, but falls within the 25 other gifts God has given. He's given us authority to cast out demons, speak in tongues, other things. So one day I'm praying over this guy. His, his name is Fraga. And uh, he has, you know, messed up his foot. I mean, he's coming back from the infirmary and he's on crutches. And I said, can I pray for you? And he was into, uh, he was a Cuban that was into, uh, I forget, Palo Mi Hombre, I forget what, what witchcraft he was into. And uh, I prayed for him. The power of God hit his foot. I go, go ahead and walk on it. He looked at me and go, let's go ahead and put some weight on it. Put some weight on it. I said, give me those crutches. He hands me the crutches. I said, come on, let's walk. Starts walking. He's instantly healed. But the black, blue, and purple on his foot remained there for three weeks with no pain. So God showed him he had been healed and that's how much damage he had. But Fraga had a little porn problem. Not just a little porn problem. It was a mega porn problem. And so Fraga also later had a tumor on his neck. And so Fraga came to me for healing from the tumor. And what happened was when I went to pray for him, the Lord like gave me an open vision discerning the spirits. It's like, he was skull capped and it was open and I saw three little bitty demons running around. They looked like little wiry stick figures. And there were three and they had these two little eyes each and they're looking up at me and I'm praying and I'm getting ready to cast them out. And one was the spirit of lust, one was the spirit of pornography and the other one was the spirit of masturbation. They often come in threes. And, and so um, 
They come with friends. But uh, long story short, triple braided cord, not easily broken, but that thing was going to get broken in Jesus' name. So I said, you foul spirits of you know porno pornography, lust, and masturbation. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus, and I command you to... And all of a sudden, something grabs my tongue and stops me. I'm like, man, this is a powerful demon. So I went to go do it again, and I'm like, and it stopped me again. And I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Lord said, he's not ready. That's not the devil stopping you. That's me. He says, if you were to cast these spirits out at this time, they would only come back seven more wicked than themselves. And the latter state of this man would be worse than the former. He's not ready yet. Curse the tumor. I'm about to heal him and tell him I love him. Wow. Different message when we get in the church when it comes to issues. Jarred my theology. I was a two-year-old Christian. Hadn't been to seminary yet. Sometimes you got to have experience on the road to keep your love. And so what happened was I cursed the tumor on his neck and it shrunk in my hand. Two-thirds of it, it disappeared underneath of my hand. He just went, bloop, and I was like, wow. And he says... Tell him he'll be completely healed within seven days and tell him I love him. See, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us way too much to leave us in our condition. He only reveals when he wants to heal. Three months later, because of Fraga's issue, and by the way, he got healed. All the pain went away, you know, and he was off the super drug they give him the feds called Motrin. He didn't need that anymore. Motrin works on everything, I think, but it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a bank joke where obviously only the teller laughs but so you do 20 years you'll be telling the same joke but anyway so here's what happened it was real cold and it was about a half a mile walk to the yard in Colorado and it was like I'm gonna say like two or three below zero at plus a wind chill factor and my my buddy we used to pray in the the intercession room it was a mop closet with the nasty, smelly mops, but God showed up in that mop closet. You know, that was our prayer room. And uh, so he said, Holy Spirit told me we're supposed to go down to the yard. I'm like, it's too cold to go down the yard. There's nobody down there. We're going to be stuck down there for an hour. He goes, come on, we got to go. I got a word of knowledge. I'm like, well, you don't have a word of knowledge. We got a word of cold for the next hour. So we get down there and they shut the gate, you know, and it's 50 minutes before they're going to allow us, plus another 10-minute walk back. And So we get down there and there's nobody on the yard. I'm thinking, well, you missed it. All of a sudden we look over to the tennis court area and the tennis courts. I used to love to play tennis on it. They had all the cracks because they couldn't, like, fix anything, so it made the game very interesting. <laughs> you know, ball would go to the left or the right. But Anyway, so there's Fraga and he's at like a picnic table in between the two tennis courts. He's in his coat. And he's been shamed because of his issue. And uh, now on the compound, people are And I won't go into details on how bad his issue was, but it was a bad one. And uh, so I said, Froggy, how are you doing? Oh, not so good. And I said, what's going on? He told me. I said, are you ready to be free? I said, are you ready yet? He goes, yeah, I'm ready. See, God never promises. He always promises to deliver us from our enemies. If pornography is your enemy, if lust is your enemy, if this thing's your enemy, drugs is your enemy, he'll deliver you. Cigarettes is your enemy, he'll deliver you. Lying is your enemy, he'll deliver you. But he never once promises to deliver, to deliver us from our buddies or friends. And if that sin issue is still your friend, he won't deliver you. Because they'll only come back seven more wicked than themselves. But the minute you decree that thing is your enemy, God's power will deliver you. And that day, that demon of lust, pornography, and masturbation came up out of Fraga. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He got a new spirit within him, the Holy Spirit. And he was free from that day forward. But do you see God's love for him on the journey? It started with a foot. Then it went to a tumor revealing a problem and when Fraga was ready he knew the God who healed his foot he knew the God that healed him of the tumor and he knew God loved him just the way he was and there was no guilt and shame and condemnation 
and God delivered him at two below zero with wind chill. For my friend and me, But how far will you go when the Lord tells you to go? And prophecy is the end. The gift of prophecy is to hear from God and to speak to men. It should be noted that the gift of prophecy communicates not only God's words, but also God's heart. God is love and he speaks to his children in love. He desires to strengthen, encourage, and comfort his children through and with the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3 You may all prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14.31, all in the original Koine Greek language means all. That means you qualify to hear from God. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they know me and another they will not follow. You can hear from God and communicate the words of the Father along with the heart of the Father, which is a heart of love to encourage, strengthen, and build somebody else up if you'll step out on faith. And like the Nike commercial says, just do it. But do it in humility. And you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Remember my friend, we're talking and he's like, put his hand on his jaw. You're like looking at me. I'm like, wow, I need to pray for him. No, he was getting a word of knowledge about someone else and he thought it was me. I feel that heat back. God's still doing that thing on me. See, when you feel heat come, when you lay hands on somebody, God's doing something. If you speak it out, it'll build faith. Father, we thank you for dental miracles. I command new crowns to appear. I command right now, I command eyes to brighten like when Nathan ate the honey. I command gingivitis and dental issues in the bridge to go right now. I command healing be brand new fillings brand new gold and silver and platinum father i thank you for breathing over them you know if you can receive see jesus perceive him as your savior you can receive him as savior perceive him as healer you can receive him as healer if you can perceive him as baptizer in the holy spirit he's you'll, you'll receive him as baptizer in the holy spirit he's already all those things but if you can perceive him you can receive him you can perceive him as dentist he'll be your dentist we see a lot of gold and silver fillings just appear in people's mouths happens i've got platinum they were amalgam i've got the video footage of when it happened we've got all kinds of testimonials about dental miracles but i perceived jesus that day as my dentist and the prophet who was there said god's doing dental miracles right now he said the bible says, open your mouth and he will fill it. I know it's an unusual application of that verse, but you just open your mouth, he'll fill it. And so what I did is I looked and I thought, okay. And I opened my mouth. And when I did, I started tasting something in my mouth. It tasted like metal. And he says, some of you are tasting something in your mouth, like copper or something. He says, it's, it's God's, putting, God's putting metal in your mouth. And what happened was, he said, go ahead and ladies, you've got, you know, compacts for makeup. He says, hand the mirrors around. People started looking in their mouths and my amalgams that were 35 years old that had been dark and become almost black in nature. And I was scheduled to go to the dentist on Tuesday. What happened was God changed them from amalgam to platinum. And I went and saw my Baptist dentist and the uh, assistant who was cleaning my teeth, she's looking at my teeth and she's looking at my dental records. She's looking at my teeth. She's looking at my dental records. And I said, what's going on? She says, where did you get these? I said, where'd I get what? She says, these, these beautiful silver or white gold. I, I've never seen anything quite like it but it's exactly the same ones that are on your dental records. She said, but they're amalgams, but these are not amalgams. I said, oh, I got them on Sunday. <laughs> and she said, what, open, what dentist is open on Sunday? I said, a dentist by the name of Jesus. She said, I'll be right back. 
my dentist friend comes walking in and he'd been healed of a deaf ear and a back issue. And uh, he comes in, he goes, all right, David. He goes, let me see in this mouth. Looked at the dental records, he looked at these. He goes, okay, tell me the story. So I told him what happened. He said, you know, I've been in doing this for 30 years. I've never seen this before. He said, if it was anybody but you, David, I wouldn't believe it. He ended up taking a sample, sending it in, and it was a mixture of metals. They were silver, other metals, and over the top was pure platinum. He says, no dentist would do that. We have friends who get Hebrew letters in gold in their teeth and services, and they go back to their Jewish dentist as a message to the dentist. Like, hi to life. And they're like, where did you get that? And it's the most artisan work they'd ever seen. And they've actually taken some of the, the gold and it's of no earthly element. If this is, I'm, I'm here to provoke you into a higher realm of God. If you can perceive him as your dentist, you can receive him as your dentist. God's doing something right now by word of knowledge with dental miracles and he's, having us teach a little bit on it. So just go ahead and put your hands on your jaws or whatever you want. You can also stand in for somebody else. Just get your miracle. Ask God for what you want because when your heart is right with Him, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. There it goes. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we perceive you as our dentist. And we receive you right now as our dentist. You did it for David Herobedian. You did it for somebody else that he knows. You did it for friends and family. You'll do it for me because you're no respecter of persons. And I thank you right now. And I receive dental miracles. Just tell him that. I got a call from somebody the other day. They watched one of our dental miracle videos online on the spiritual medicine cabinet series of prayer and they said they were asking the Lord for a miracle in their teeth and they pulled up YouTube and that video popped right up and they watched it and they got healed watching the video and he said David I come from a denomination we don't believe in that stuff but I got all my dental pains gone I don't have to go to the dentist and I'm healed he said I want to buy some Bibles for prisoners. <laughs> and he sent in a donation. Pay it forward. So, Father, I thank you for healing right now. I break off all trauma and I release the glory, the celestial realm of God. We thank you for dental miracle angels being released right now. And angels of salvation. Angels of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Angels of healing in the lungs and in the heart and in the ears and in the eyes. We speak brand new endocrine systems. We command every tumor to shrink and to dry up and to die like you did for Fraga. I thank you for doing it for them. Right now I break off every suppressor spirit. I command every spirit of infirmity under the sound of my voice to detach, to dislodge, and to go from them. And I release the healing balm of Gilead. I thank you, Father, for your healing angels right now going in and ministering to people online, right through their phones, right through their televisions, right through their computer screens, right through audio. Thank you, Father God, for healing. And I call forth those that have been out of fellowship back into fellowship. We lay down the prophetic railroad tracks where the enemy derailed you. I speak for you now, recalculating to get re-railed with Jesus on the journey. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. What a nice presence here tonight. If you want to give uh, online, you can. We're, we're doing Bibles to prisoners right now. And 
changing lives one Bible at a time. You can do that at virtualchurchmedia.com. You can do it at heartprisonministries.org. You can earmark it. And we will get the trusty 66 books of the Bible between two fine Corinthian bonded leather covers into the prisons for those on a Bible waiting list. And if they're like me, they'll spend hours and hours in the Word behind bars and God will raise him or her up to come out as a man or a woman of God and help be a positive influence in your neighborhood. Like the Nike commercial says, just do it. God bless you. I'm David, my lovely wife, Joanna. We are the Herobedians, virtualchurchmedia.com and Quantum Kingdom Life here on Facebook. We'll see you next week. God bless.